0: Hello everyone, uh, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of BeesPod. Uh, my name is Ian, one of your co-hosts, joining from a freezing cold Berlin. Uh, and on the other side uh, of the English channel, I'm delighted to be joined by
1: Mem. How are you doing this evening, Mem? I'm probably equally as cold as you are and croaking like anything after yesterday. So um, yes, it's, it's not much different here in the UK. Um, you may hear some fireworks as it's Diwali. Um, and it's some, I think one of my neighbours is currently fo- firing off about a million rockets. Uh, Perfect. Well, uh, we look forward to the
0: the background noise that will hopefully bring the pod uh, to life. Unfortunately, Charlie is not joining us, a bit like Dale Gorman. He's not making an appearance on the pitch today, but no doubt he will be back soon. Uh, But he was at the game yesterday and has sent in some fantastic uh, points that we're going to raise throughout today's show. So we join you, uh, dear listener, after Barnett's. A uh, somewhat chastening 4-2 defeat away to Chesterfield, um, where the Bees put in a fantastic first-half performance, or at least a very strong one, but unfortunately came away with nothing. And while we'll get through quite a lot in this pod in terms of previous games and results, it probably makes sense to start with what was billed as before, um, potentially by some, and I think both you and I would disagree with this, as a season-defining game. Um, but men perhaps if we if we just look at, at the game yesterday, first of all, a kind of brief summary of what you saw, and then we're going to dig into the, the details. What, what did you make of yesterday's game? Was it the fair result? Was it the fair score? Kind of emotions afterwards now that we have had a bit of time for the dust to settle?
1: I would say it was definitely a game of two halves. I felt that the fir- uh, first half, we completely silenced the Chesterfield crowd. We were clearly the dominant team. And it was one of those games where if you don't punish a team well, you're on top. You always give them a chance to regroup. And I think the second half was all about Paul Cook's Changes at halftime, and his and the set um, and the tactical tweaks he made that we didn't have an answer to, um, and ultimately yes, they did deserve the win because in the second half they were rampant. But I don't, th- I think there was a lot of really positives to take out from the game as well. So uh, yeah, definitely a game of two halves.
0: Yeah, I mean, it felt like
1: that watching watching on the
0: stream and um, a real game of two halves, a real sense of optimism, I think, uh, before the game that almost built by half time, and then obviously faded quite quickly in that 15 to 20 minute spell afterwards. But let's perhaps start with the first half. What do you think we did really well? Because it really felt that as much as it was a, an even game in, in some parts, we really looked quite confident and really grew into that game. What do you think about how we set up? And yeah, was it a case of us doing the
1: right things or perhaps Chesterfield not performing
0: as well as they could have done?
1: Well, I thought it was an interesting start. that um, we, we started with Dominic Revan as the right wing back. And I thought that was quite a smart move because Chesterfield are very strong down the sides. And what Revan essentially did was he kind of blocked up that side, but he did try to get forward. Um, I thought that we did kind of play our game, but obviously Chesterfield had done their homework. Hartigan was crowded out completely. So what we did was we essentially played around the horseshoe. So, and if anybody doesn't know what playing around the horseshoe means, essentially think of a horseshoe, and we essentially from the back we played down the sides and we tried to just work our way down the wings so we didn't we did limited use of the center of the pitch, but what we found was that that um Idris Khanu had a lot of the ball on his side, and we very much tried to overload the left side with a and pritchard in a three coming over there trying to overload and what typically happened was that Idris would try and get as far down the line and then he would knock it back to Harry who would then try and cross it so that seemed to be the main um sort of the main sort of pattern of play Hartigan really struggled throughout the game to get on the ball they were all over him because they knew that if if we had if he if he makes us tick but but actually, what it meant was is that there was a lot of players on the out on the extremities of the team, which had a lot of possession. Revan did quite well, but in the centre, we didn't get a huge amount of get a ball, but we did really well with what we had. But what Chesterfield it looked like to me, and just it was that Chesterfield came to press really high. So as we tried to play out from the back, they really came and tried and engaged us on the edge of our box. And what was noticeable and I suppose you won't see this on the T V, is their back line pushed right up. And they really were trying this heavy press. But what Barnett did was we played over the press and we, we we'd knock a couple of balls and then we would hit we'd hit the wings with them and I played over and it kept turning them. So so that so that first half was all about that was kept we kept turning the ball kept back, coming back to Laurie, come back to Uluru. and it didn't look like we were hacking it but we weren't actually because what we were doing is we were drawing them on and we and I think you made a comment on Twitter about, um, Collinge kind of trying to encourage them to cut to you know playing a bit of cat and mouse with them to bait the press yeah and what he was doing is playing a bit of cat and mouse with them so they were trying to draw them in and then we were hitting them into the corners so we were playing around them uh, sort of over them and then when we did get the ball. In their, in their half, we were playing to the wide areas. And we had quite a lot of success with that as well. There was, I mean, we had, um, off the top of my memory, Ravan had one cleared off the line. We had a m- massive goal mouth scramble. Stead hit the crossbar. Pritchard had the follow-up shot off the line. Lulu had a nice a, a, a chance from a header. Uh, Collinge had a free header. Um, so we were creating chances. So I thought the first half was really, really positive, And it was really smart, the way we played. Yeah, I was really impressed with, um, I think a couple of people mentioned
0: it um, in terms of like the bravery on the ball, because I think in previous games, it's very tempting. And I think I saw this a little bit against the sort of Gatesheads and uh, Boreham Wood. And we'll come and look at those games, those kind of big games from last year and compare it to this one in a moment. But I was really impressed with our ability to kind of bait the, the press and actually play those quite smart clip balls over the line and essentially... With the wing-backs, almost, if we could pull Kabamba wide or pull Stead wide, kind of create those little 2v1s, you know, over that press, once Chesterfield are pressed with a 5, um, kind of get the, the chances and the bits and pieces on the second balls. Um, another thing that really stood out to me, which was interesting, was, was Chesterfield's approach, who, a bit like Barnett, I think are getting something like average 60% or so possession in their normal games. Really looked to be going quite direct. We weren't even interested in playing out at all. Um, you know, at least we were kind of trying to to get that first pass Uh, into a centre-back, pull in the press, play it back and then go over it. Um, But I was quite interested in how how Chesterfield kind of really, you know, went straight and direct from that.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. And I think what they were doing, I think they were encouraging us to have the ball. So I think they felt, and we'll sit and actually, and it did actually later on um, end up being quite fruitful for them. I think they felt that the best way to beat us was to actually win the ball off us higher up the pitch. Because we we def, we like to defend one v one, and most of the players that we've we've recruited generally are good at playing uh, defending one v one against the the person up right up against them. And I think what they were doing is by hitting it long, I think they were trying to get the ball into our back, and quite happy to do that, play for second balls. But then we would have to, we would try and start play from deep, and then they were going to try and win it back off us there. So in some respects, it felt like they were almost giving the ball back to us on purpose, so they could, to win it off us high up the pitch. And then I, I guess what we really saw after half-time was a, a real shift in
0: in, in the game. Um, and actually, it's interestingly enough, if we look at the first goal in particular, where we're sort of looking to play out and it's just it's not a great ball or not a great ball out of our third into, into the middle third, which they then went back um, and get the goal. What did you notice? Because I know you mentioned, mentioned a point, I think, on Twitter about potentially them sitting off a little bit and going into a mid-block. And then Dean, in his post-match interview, came out and said that actually... They seemed to press from the TV camera. It actually looked as though they'd, you know, got into something more of a coherent press. I felt in the first half that their front five were pushing, and then there was a little bit of space between their front five and their and their and their defence, that may not have been true. That may have just been the angle. In the second half, it felt that they were a lot more aggressive in the midfield zone, at least when the ball went in there, to win it and avoid us winning those little 2v1s we had in the first half. But what did you notice? Because it it clearly changed very quickly after half-time um, up until the first goal, and then obviously in the subsequent goals afterwards. Well, so
1: the first goal does look like they've gone for a high press. But actually, in that period leading up to it, the first five minutes, what they did was... So in the first half, they were pressing right up and get up, right, like really pushing up. And the whole team was really pushing up. They kind of, all of them started to drop. They dropped about probably maybe 15, 20 yards deeper. And what they did was they they started to engage us. Um, They let us get higher up the pitch and then they tried to engage us. So rather than trying to engage us on the edge of our box, they were trying to engage us maybe 30 yards from the edge of our box. Uh, like, 10, 15 yards from the edge of our box. Now, what that did was, as we brought the ball out, and this is where we they started to get a lot more ball, is they start, as they brought the ball in, uh, as our defenders started to bring the ball in, that's when they suddenly triggered the press. And what happened was because they, because the the play at one point, and I remember turning around to, I was with, uh, sitting next to Chris Stokes, and I said to Chris, I said, Chris, look at the, look at the, look how far it's between our back line and their back line. And it was about 30 yards so they squeezed right up. So basically what they were doing was gambling that we don't play over the top that much. And what they were doing, they squeezed the back right up and then the press engaged. And then what happened was the midfield was so congested because because their forwards and between their forwards and their back line, it was about 30 yards. They squeezed up. And because Idris only, uh, I felt that Idris could have done, could have been a bit smarter in that started making runs diagonally. But Idris kept still trying to get the ball deep into feet. And what we needed to do is have more runners going in behind to to basically capitalise on the fact they were squeezing right up, and they were and so you had this situation where it was the midfield was so congested that we kept losing the ball, and then they were and then they were breaking on us at rapid pace, and so it looked like that at one point they were all over us. And they did that really quickly, like right from the start of the game. And they got for a couple of corners really early on. So the crowd got up. If you listen, if you listen to the highlight, the, the first goal, the crowd's really loud. They were absolutely deathly silenced for, for the first half. And it was, they, were, they built that first goal from a period of uh, pressure. And I just felt at the time, and we can go into this a bit more because obviously I appreciate it. You know, you don't want a massive monologue. But it's, um, I felt that that tweak Straight up, we struggled to respond to that, that tweak. Um, they got really aggressive. It was really aggressive. And they basically got almost baited us a bit as well to then get 1v1 with us. And I think, yeah, I think it's
0: mentioning with a lot of this discussion that, like, fu- fundamentally, like, we are up against a fantastic Chesterfield side who are on track for 120 points. They've lost one game all season. And that game was away at Altrincham, who are currently fifth. Where they had a mad ten-minute spell at the end of the game, where they let in a goal in the ninety-third and and oh, sorry, the eighty-third and ninety-second minute. So we've got to really kind of like caveat a lot of what we're saying with the fact that, bluntly speaking, they have better teams, better sorry, better players, better resources, and are a better team, and they've got more experience of going toe to toe with Notts County, etc. Last season than than we did. So we've got to kind of really just be be mindful of that. One of the things though I'm interested in is, is how we responded to that first goal because um. I'll kind of come into the other games in a moment but it felt from the outside that what happened and we've seen this quite a lot with Barnet over the years and particularly if you look back to the last two big games last season particularly the Gateshead game where we just kind of looked shell-shocked for the first 30 seconds, thirty minutes of the game we lost a big goal in, 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 in the first uh, I think it was the first 10 minutes or the penalty whatever it was and then similar against Boreham Wood we had this kind of spell where we kind of conceded two goals, not quick fire, but relatively soon after the other to let the game go. This is the third game in, in a row, the third of the three biggest games we've got. And I appreciate we've had to win a lot of big games to get to these stages. So it's not a case of like, you know, we're terrible at big games. But the three biggest games we've had in the last two years, we've had a spell where we've been under pressure and we've not just conceded one, we've conceded two. And in all three of those games, we've gone 2-0 down. Uh, and in two of that, the three gone 3-0 down. My question is, how... We, one of the things that I'm interested in is how we respond to that first goal. And I guess, obviously, the players need to take a lot of responsibility in terms of just managing the game, a bit of experience, a bit of quality here and there. But it felt like the the change was kind of quite early on to really go and try and get back into the game in an attacking sense and build on that first-half performance. Whereas I think a few people at the time, and obviously in hindsight is everything, kind of thought perhaps someone like a Gorman or you know getting a bit more control of that midfield battle might have been a, a better option than perhaps going for broken and bringing on the likes of Hooper early on, who we know is a really good player, but one, as we saw at the end of the game, who just scores in, you know, in and around the penalty area and isn't necessarily someone who's going to be able to counter a really high line that they're playing or you know, the press that they were putting on. So, yeah, I guess a question then about, we see Chesterfield start the first half, second half really strongly, they get the first goal. Is there something that perhaps we could look at in terms of how we change our approach after that? Or was it just a case that they got their tails up, the crowd were on top, we lacked the experience and their, and their quality told? It's a difficult one because
1: once that, once that crowd got that, got up, I think, I think it's, it's a tough one to k- see through that with a clear head to me up until, and they scored in the 40 minute, but those first four minutes, they came right out the blocks. And I felt, and uh, thinking about it at the time was, I felt that the players had come out at halftime. They'd been really positive about the first, second half. And they kind of first half, and they kind of assumed that the second half would be more of the same. And, I don't believe that the players were quite at it um, in terms of. I think I think I think they came in a bit too casual into the second half. I think that, that the assumption should have been that right first half's come out. Chesterfield can't be as bad as in the first in the second half as they were in the first half. We've got to keep it tight early on, and then and let's keep it tight. And then what we'll do is we'll we'll stay in this match, we'll, you know, and then we'll try and nick it. But what seemed to happen is we came out and we were like, okay, we're going to play the same way. And they hit. They they straightway put us under pressure. The crowd suddenly like went from silent to really loud. Okay, and you could feel that pressure. That Lu-Wu, um poor clearance he made was very much. I think you felt suddenly was like felt the pressure building up because they they were starting to crank it up. And then you had this situation where Brunt had been anonymous. Okay. And I want to put this caveat, this Bees pod loves Zach Brunt. We we've, we've, we sponsored him, but he was really, really poor yesterday. He was anonymous. And Alouou's pass, I'm not sure actually maybe that was a bad, a bad clearance. I wonder if it was a pass into Brunt because it was going in Brunt's direction, but he was so sluggish to respond to the ball that, they, that their defender came and attacked the ball and then they were off and they were on our back three immediately. And for me... When they hit us, we were kind of shell-shocked. Now to me it looked to me, then they went for the jugular almost immediately from that goal. And to me, it felt like, right, we need now to drop off. We need to get everybody tuck in and let's just ride out this storm because they've they've literally come out this half like out of the blocks. Ride right out the storm. Now to me as well, the, the, the substitution that needed to be made, and I'm not saying this in hindsight, I'd said this at the time, gotta get Gorman on and we've got to get brunt off. Okay, cuz brunt is 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 brunt is is just nowhere. He's he has not touched the ball. He's he, this is, it's almost felt like he was slightly overwhelmed by the occasion. He was made the captain. He's in his hometown and he froze because he honestly he just did not couldn't get the ball. Couldn't get anywhere near the ball. Look, he looks so off the pace. And it looked the Gorman should have come on and we should have what we should have done was gone. Right. We're going to we're 1 0 down and we're going to stay in this and we're going to try and nick a, nick a goal. But instead, I don't, I don't understand why suddenly we just went, right, we're going to put Hooper. And then we put, um, we almost started like, trying to chase the game in at, you know in the 50th, in the 59th minute. We were trying to chase the game. I just didn't understand. We had half an hour of the game left. We needed to be a bit more patient. And we put Stead as right wing back to bring in Hooper in his position. And it just was made no sense, Um, and then they scored the second almost like a minute after Hooper came on, and and that was it. And then they were rampant, and the problem is we had stead at right back, and we had to bring on Senior, um, and we and 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 the team was just getting we couldn't keep the ball. Um, Idris was infuriating, um, lost the ball so many times, and Mandeville. I thought Mandeville one v one was impressive against him. And I think what Idris needed to do a bit more was deliver the ball because he was trying to go around him every single time. And Mandeville was a really good one, 1v1 defender. And Idris only beat him a couple of times. And the rest of the time, he was winning the ball for Idris all the time. I, I want to throw in a couple of caveats there. I think,
0: like, first of all, I think on, on a lot of the one-to-one matchups, they, you know, they they had a, a bit of superior quality and I think the way that Brennan's got us playing is that we are playing as a side that are greater than the sum of our parts and that's a huge testament I think to the work that he's done I mean he has got he, oh, I don't want to sound too defeatist but like the thing that I take away from yesterday's performance particularly the second half is that yeah sure perhaps we could have changed things and tweaked things etc I do think though that once, once Chesterfield got on their game we could have tried pretty much anything and not got a decent result or really struggled to get a decent result I think they are that strong they are one of the strongest sides I've seen at the National League level I appreciate Wexham and notts county are very good but I, I saw in Chesterfield a real quality in that second half that I haven't really seen from another team and so I want to kind of be careful again as, as we said at the start about not catastrophizing a defeat but looking too much into like individual decisions and so on because as much as we can tweak certain things like the difference between you know Mandeville and and Dobra and, and Colclough and these guys would walk into our side and and that's no disrespect to our players it's just it's a testament to their quality so I want to kind of caveat that um I think one of the things that that really interested me was thinking back to the game in January where we we did a, a fantastic performance against Chesterfield um that 3-0 win I think we were sitting next to each other in that game, I can't remember. And one of the things that stood out to me in that game was, again, I think Chesterfield actually played very well. They almost played like we did in our first half up at Chesterfield, didn't take their chances. And then we hit them with three fantastic finishes from Nicky. The the difference in how the backline managed Nicky, I thought, was was again really interesting because it's not a, a critique of Nicky, actually. I think they defended really, really well. In terms of, like you mentioned it a little bit afterwards, some of the frustrations and so on and so forth. Like To what extent is this down to individual players like needing to kind of go through these games to get an understanding of what it takes to deliver because we've still got quite a young squad who perhaps you know don't have that big game experience of playing in front of a massive crowd in a really big game the likes of your brunts even idris Aluwo uh, for example like to, to what extent do you think that this is kind of like a, a necessary learning curve to go through so that when the next big game comes around whether it's in the league or whether it's in the playoffs or whatever we're better prepared for it
1: yeah, and I agree. And I would hope that they would learn. I think also, I think what I'd hope they learn as well is they learn from this and it helps them in their in-game management. Because I think what I would like would like to have seen yesterday is that in the second half, Idris, they doubled up on Idris immediately because they realised that he was our out ball. And yet he still kept trying to do the same thing as he did in the first half, which was he kept trying to go past the player, cutting inside, and they kept taking him out. And then he would look at the second goal where he, the ball is a really terrible ball by Pritchard And Idris was being, I think was naive. The ball flew, flew in across and he had two players ready to pounce on him and he decided to chest it. And then they basically got the ball because he chested it straight to a Chesterfield player who then carried it. And, was, and they were in on our back line and they scored the second goal from that. And I thought that I would like to have seen him talk maybe turn around to even maybe even have that communication with um, with the manager and say, "Can I switch wings? Can I go to the other side and have a go on the other side?" Because they've double up on on me, and we got to need to unravel this. Or even Dean saying to him that because as soon as he got double marked, that was our most of our attacking um, outlet was gone. Um, but also the other thing as well is that in the first half we had a lot of joy from delivering balls into their box. So we saw from the two goals we scored, they were from from crosses. In the first half, the, the goals we sco- we got the chances we had were from balls into the box. They were really poor at defending um, crosses, and I couldn't understand why we, we why we didn't why we kept trying to um, keep trying to beat people in the fight in the wide areas when, rather than just deliver balls into the box. And when we did deliver balls. And be a bit more direct in the second, in the, like right at the end when the game was gone, we scored two goals, and it just to me learning from this and saying, you know what, I've seen that they're vulnerable from crosses. I'm just going to get the ball out of my feet and I'm going to ping a ball in the box, and I'm just going to keep. And I think that would help Nikki. I that would help Nikki as well. I think. Yeah, and I think it's interesting
0: actually if you think about the Hooper substitution. That's generally been made when we've been on top. And we've been trying to just put balls in the box and trusting his quality because for all of his. I think his age, perhaps catching up with him outside of the box. Inside of the box, he is still a phenomenal player, and his first touch is, is unlike anything on our team. If you actually watch him, but it's it's just a shame that it didn't quite work out at that stage. I think perhaps then stepping back from the Chesterfield game in its entirety, and we'll come on to previous games in a moment. But if we sort of zoom out, you know, before the game, there was talk as to you know a Barnet win would you know obviously have moved us top of the table, be it with them having a game in hand. The defeat, obviously, you know, it was to some extent a six-point game. It it has swung. I think they now got a five-point lead um, um, and and a game in hand. To what extent, you know, that question has to be asked, to what extent is the league a very unlikely proposition now? Um, Is it even worth thinking about in terms of like, you know, having that conversation?
1: Um, Yeah, where are your thoughts on that? I was, see, for me, I don't think it's over. By any stretch of imagination, there's lots of points to play for. And what we seem to be doing this season is we're winning a lot of games in a run and then we lose a game and then we go we win a few more games. So there's never never this kind of like and and, and within that as well, when I look through some of the games that we that we've attended, you know, Maidenhead, Oxford, um, I would say Dawkins, Solihull, in a lot of those games we haven't been at, at our best in for the majority of the match. But we've found a way of winning. And I think at the moment, Chesterfield are on this run where they're just just destroying teams. But I would imagine that at some point, the, 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 as the, weather, the bad weather comes in, there's going to be bad conditions in games. There's going to be games where they might get a player sent off and they've got to play with 10. There's going to be games where um, they can have injuries and then they've got to work out how they're going to, you know, can they play the same way so it's a long long season and they could go for a spell where basically they get disjointed by you know some something or other so i i think the way that we're going about things is we're just you know making sure we win games and keep getting three points on the board i think there's a chance that we could ca- catch catch them up um but as long as we can uh, the second to me second place and, and having only one game to go to wembley really should be the minimum target
0: yeah it's a really interesting point because i think uh, like Chesterfield are extraordinarily good, and they're on track for a ridiculous points tally. They've w- they've lost one game all season, as I said at the start against Alderham. That was in August. So I think the point is like it's a bit of a weird one for us because when we previously won the conference title or we've been involved in a title race, it's generally been at least in the last two seasons that we've done it. So 0-5 and um, fifteen six uh, fourteen fifteen. Sorry, it's been the case that we've kind of built up a really big lead. Um, and then it's kind of gradually been chipped away at and we've kind of had to kind of hang on, um, certainly more so in fourteen fifteen than than the previous time we won it. Whereas this time, like, it's a bit of a strange one where... You know we're we kind of chasing and we're chasing a side who are almost like we were in those conference seasons. And I think you're right. At the moment, it's very easy to look at Chesterfield and to read off the names on that team sheet. Your Colcloughs, Dogbras, even looking at the players that are not getting in the team. You know, Oldacre wasn't playing yesterday. He's a fantastic player. Um, King isn't playing, another fantastic player, and think, oh my gosh, there's no chance. But you know, sometimes when you're at the top, that that mental toll can take a can take a bit of a you, you know a challenge. And we and we did in that first half show we can match them. I think for us, it's kind of a question of just, as Dean said in the interview, just kind of moving on from it and focusing on ourselves. We can't worry too much about, you know, looking at 5pm on a Friday um, and saying, oh, have they won, have they not? Like, we've just got to kind of focus on doing our own jobs and trust that we'll get there. I think the final point on that, though, is if it does get to a stage, and it is a possibility that that Chesterfield's consistency or they maintain a level of consistency that that sees them build up a 15-point lead or whatever, what, it might be quite interesting psychologically to see what that's like for the rest of the teams like Barnett and Bromley etc who we might find ourselves in a position where we're quite healthy inside the playoffs but we're not really in a title race and it, it kind of feels a bit like those kind of PSG games where they you know the, the league games are you know not there's not as much riding on them perhaps in terms of desperately needing to get into the playoffs or desperately chasing the title they come to these Champions League games in terms of the playoff games where they're not quite ready and we saw that perhaps a little bit with Notts County last year against Boreham Wood like what, what do you think the kind of you know, obviously the message is over the next you know, few weeks and few months to the players um, and also to the fans. And then how, yeah, how do you think we, we should kind of manage Chesterfield? You know, should, we, should we really kind of obsess about them and worry about them? Should we say that we're in a title race? Should we not talk about it? What do you think the best approach is from, from us psychologically?
1: I would think if they get too far ahead, I suppose the way I can imagine what Dean might do is he might sort of pretend almost that we are the top team. And the basically we are trying to defend our lead from you know, from the rest of the rest of the group, just so we can cement that second place. Because like you said, yeah, it, it could take some of our competitive edge out, knowing that we haven't got a chance to win the league. But I suppose second in itself is a really, really good um, position to be in. If you can't win it, obviously because because the, the benefits of the set of being second, you know, is as you can we saw from Notts County last year, it's one game. And then it's a Wembley, so I think there is a big benefit to that because I think where it might find we might find it difficult is if we were in that, those in those playoff spots like we were like last season for for instance I, I felt I was a slight malaise a bit because we were so buried inside the the playoffs. And it, and it didn't really matter either way. You know, it, it was a much of a muchness where we'd, fit, where we'd finish fourth, fifth, sixth or seventh. So much of a muchness. Whereas this one, we've got a real target to go for at least, which is to make sure we cement that second place um, and keep away from other teams. So I think there's a slight difference.
0: And make no no mistake that that would be a phenomenal achievement with everything that we've we've gone through. I mean, it's the, the progress, as we said a couple of weeks ago, from where we were last season to this season has been extraordinary, and it's it's a real testament to the players and to the management team for the incredible job they're doing. And and yeah, it, just as it's important not to get carried away with the wins it's equally important not to get carried away with the defeats as disappointing as it was uh, for us and um, we're going to take a very brief break and then when we're back we're going to kind of get into some of the more recent form and look at some of the fantastic questions that you've sent in uh, so we'll back with you in just a moment <laughs> Hello everyone, Uh, welcome back and thank you for sticking with us. Um, We're now getting into our favourite part of the show, which is answering and getting into some of the fantastic questions you've sent in. Naturally, quite a few of them are similar ones that we're thinking about ourselves, so we've hopefully covered a few of them in the first part of the show. Um, But we're going to kind of use these now as, um, you know, kind of bases for, for some further discussion for the next 20 minutes or so. So a couple of questions, first of all, and we we touched on it already, actually, um, in terms of the subs on Saturday, Uh, but a couple of people here asking a little bit about Gorman and then uh, a link, therefore, also to other players who aren't quite in the side at the moment, uh, the likes of uh, Potter, etc. Marcos um, asks here, why are Gorman and Potter both seemingly exiled? Personally, I think rotation would help with injury slash fatigue, and that's, I think, perhaps prescient with... Uh, Dean mentioning muscular injuries a little bit yesterday, which tend to be non-impact, so either fatigue or training uh, programs. Gorman should be used yesterday to short midfield. Uh, Potter, Akimo, um, and uh, Akimo and Potter, sorry, were so solid last season. Um, of course, it's only their opinion. I think let's let's deal with those each in turn. But Gorman, I mean, we've we've seen him play a different role this season to last season. Obviously, we've got Hartigan in there. I don't think there'd be anyone disagreeing with the fact that Hartigan perhaps should be our first choice starting midfielder. We've seen Brunt as well come in and show glimpses of magic and actual real magic uh, in terms of his ability to unlock defences. And I think he's one of those players that can sometimes be a little bit underappreciated, but he doesn't get the goals and assists, etc. because he creates so much for us with his first touch or his spacing between the lines. Um, but yeah, onto Gorman. I mean, you know, he seems like the odd one out there. And w- what do you think the thinking is
1: there? I have to admit, I'm not sure. Because I think I understand that why Dean has... I, I can understand why he's lost his place in the first place because I think, obviously, that Hartigan is an upgrade on on um, on Dale, uh, and I mean everything's been going through Hartigan. But I have I have liked the look of us in certain points where we play Hartigan and Gorman together, and so I don't. I really don't understand why yesterday we didn't make that move, make that change. Because I, I genuinely thought that Brunt was struggling and I genuinely thought that having Gorman in there, who's a bit more combative, not only was well for that, i tell you one thing we were lacking as well, is what Gorman has is he's got very much, he's quite good at game management. Um, his delivery is very good, usually from set pieces. Um, but what he's good at is he's good at slowing the game down. And I felt that we, yesterday, we needed to be much better at slowing the game down because when they got into the ascendancy, we needed to start shit housing and we needed to start breaking up play, slowing the ball down, slowing the game down, and make it bitty. And just try and knock them out of their rhythm when that when they're in that. And Gorman is fantastic at at knowing when to do that. He knows when to get the ball and then fall on the floor, pretend he's but you know and like minimal contact, go on the floor, win free kicks get us to stop get the game stop starting and just take the sting out, out of of the opposition. So to me I don't understand it. There's clearly something going on and I, I can't I can't you know, has there something been said behind the scenes? There's been, has there been is there been a falling out after he's lost his place? But I can I can imagine that he must have been a bit miffed to be the captain played all last season and then he's lost his place. We can all see why, but I can imagine from his perspective is you know what, I played well last season. Why am, am I not playing and has something fallen out are they falling out what I don't, I don't know it's it, that I don't I really don't understand it
0: yeah it's an interesting one I mean I think I'm a big big fan of Gorman's I think he's um yeah I think he's what we need in a lot of ways and I, I did feel that yesterday perhaps we were lacking a little bit of experience uh in the pitch and I understand that Hooper is is a person to kind of get for that but you know when you're struggling perhaps the experience deeper in down the pitch when you know when the striker's not going to see much of the ball having someone with a bit of experience in the in the sort of the, the middle. Obviously you've got Akimo and you've got Walker but someone else would have been useful to have. Um, there's another person there mentioned was Potter and I think it's interesting with, with Finley because I think there's been a couple of players that have come into the side and it's taken them a game or two to kind of get up to speed. Um, I think we saw that with Potter, who didn't have a great game when he first came back, people criticising Beard, for example. But then I think in other games, they've really shown that once they've had a, a kind of a good spell or a 60-minute or a 90-minute run, they've done quite well. It, it, do you feel that there's a need to kind of rotate more um, in the side? I mean, you know, you look at the likes of Senior, for example, and, you know, we've seen said come in. Barrett's now gone on, on loan. Like, what, what's your thinking there in terms of, is it a case of, like, we've got a good thing going on, let's not... Let's not break it. Um, because we have seen that when players do tend to get a decent-ish run over a couple of games or coming on every couple of games, an example being Stead, they can take that chance and move on. I mean, do, do you feel that that's something that, yeah, we might look to do a bit more over the next few months and weeks as the pitches get a little bit heavier and those injuries and suspensions but begin to come into play a little bit more as we have more and more games coming our way?
1: I think Potter has been a victim of, this, of the of the personnel we're playing because I think... By playing Idris as a left-wing back we could he um I think Dean has has decided that he needs that experience of a chemo to you know position Lee and you know been be a you know in his experience in the team to play in that air, in that area to be able to work with Idris and you know and I feel that he probably thinks that actually that Finley is is still too inexperienced and to, still a little bit too rash to be playing behind such an attacking player as Idris, and I wonder if that is the reason why. And I think it's I wonder if if Kimo was you know if that left sided player was suddenly to be Coker, whether if not Finley would find it a bit easier to he would play Finley a bit more because he's got he'll have experience ahead of him, and Coker wouldn't be good bombing it ahead so much. We we know that Luke Garrod in the playoffs targeted Finley Potter. I think he's come out and said it. Or um, So I think he's a good player, but I think at this moment in time, there will be games for him, and he has played quite a few games, but I, I just think in the game, like, for instance, Chesterfield, Solihull Moors, we've played quite a few tough games of late, and I think just weren't the right games for him, especially with Idris playing on that left side at the moment. Another good question here, perhaps looking a bit about what we touched upon from
0: Barnetby um talking about the link between the Chesterfield game and then the Gateshead and the Borenwood games from last year. I know I touched on that in terms of the fact that we have gone two 0 down in those games. Do you feel that obviously they they are all slightly different games, so the Borenwood game is a home against a side that we beat him, you know a big kind of big game at home playoff knockout eliminator um Obviously then the, the the Gateshead game were going away to a side miles up north in the Cup uh, for a place at Wembley and then Chesterfield a kind of top of the league clash that we've really earned our right to be at. Have you noticed any kind of common threads between those three games or do you feel that this is a kind of bit of post-game revisionism that ultimately just looks at the games we lose and says there must be a link?
1: I think, yeah, I don't. I think they're all very, very different. I think the only, diff, the only slight similarities is that Bournemouth early in that game in the playoffs exposed the one v one defending we do. And I think Chesterfield exposed it in the second half. That's the only thing I would say is it's the one v one. But I think the way that Dean wants to play is so aggressive that I think I don't think I think he will always want to play have he has players now who can play one v one. And I think the key to it is is not lose the ball cheaply so that we find ourselves exposed and you know, with overloads, uh, people running from deep, and then having three defenders trying to, you know, having facing this wave of people, um, I did see something about a question around about around our defence and stuff like that. And I mean, actually, what in your opinion from yesterday? I've got my opinion on yesterday, but do you think it? Do you think it was a defensive problem yesterday, or you know, the the, the fact that we that we lost? I mean, I think it's an interesting one. Just
0: before I come on to that, like linking back to the other games, I think they're. You know, the, the commonality is that we lost the games, right? That's the thing that's in common. I think really there are different games. I think it's also worth saying that as much as we had some frustrations with going two goals down and not being able to bounce back straight away, we also played very well in parts in all three games. We played very well in the first 10-15 minutes against Boreham Wood. We played very well in the second half against Gateshead. And we played very well in, this, in the first half against Chesterfield. In terms of defensive frailties, so I think with this it's, it's interesting. First things, I mean, look, the reality is that we conceded four goals, and we could have conceded more. Um, so that's something to, to think about. But then it, I think in the analysis, it's kind of like there's a difference between conceding six different types of chances. So, for example, being weak at set pieces, being weaker, you know, balls into the box, uh, being weak uh, on the counter, being weak 1v1. Because then you've got to fix six problems, right? So the difference between being weak defensively in that sense... And then just having a vulnerability that has been targeted and exploited. And interestingly enough, um, before the pod, I, I watched back the game in 2021 where we, we lost 4-2 away at Chesterfield. It's a bit of symmetry there. It was one of uh, kills kind of final games. We only had seven. Um, we lost 4-2. And in that game, you know, we played pretty poorly. We got two very lucky goals. We've so got these two deflections to actually put us in the lead, I think, at some point. But we conceded four different types of goals. Yesterday, it felt like we conceded kind of four variations on the same goal and gave up chances uh, along that theme. And I think actually, to be fair, it's a bit like Andrew Postecoglou on Monday night. Like there, there's a way that we play. It's bringing us a lot of success and there are kind of downsides to it. Can we mitigate the downsides? Yeah, of course we can. But the difference between this season and last season is night and day. Like, if you look at the underlying stats around the XG, I know people don't always have time for this, and and it's fair enough. But if you look at the the, the differences, like, we are a lot more solid defensively. We're a lot more in control of games. We've moved completely to a possession based style. So obviously, like, we're conceding, you know, four goals isn't great. Um, But it was four of this similar type of goal. And it kind of came, I think, from a decision we made to. You know, go for broke, or, or really try and get back into it with the formation change you've discussed, rather than being really weak and vulnerable throughout the game. So, in my mind, I don't—I'm not worried about us defensively. I just think, and I'm actually, to be honest, I think actually our plan A is working really well. I think Dean is doing wonders with this squad, and it's incredible that we're second, and it's unbelievable the start we've had. Like, it's just we ha- we cannot take our mind off it. Would it be nice to perhaps think about how we manage those games in the future? Yes, but in my view. Every single time we've gone through a big game, we've got better. Gateshead, we lost 3-0. We were terrible against Gateshead and we scrambled away back into it. What did we learn? Bore and wood, we started like a house on fire and then we got done on a vulnerability. Chesterfield, we got the first half spot on and then we didn't quite get the second half spot on. So I am seeing progress between them. So I'm not so worried defensively.
1: I agree. I actually don't think it's the defence per se. It's, it's a very easy for a football fan to look at the scoreline and say four goals conceded. They seem to be running for us at will. But the way we play, we're a very expansive team now. And what we do is we try and make the pitch as wide as possible. And we try to use those three players to build from the back. I think yesterday, when I look at the yesterday, I, I look at the first goal, which was I thought I felt Zach Brunt should have been, um, should have uh, a lose ball, lose pass or clearance that came out. I wanted to see if Zach Brunt bust the gut to, to get on the end of that. And, and it was too easy for the defender to win the ball. I saw really poor pass from Pritchard, probably making playing a pass that was a bit too extravagant to somebody who was double marked. Um, I saw um, Hooper make a couple of very sloppy passes, just trying to play the ball out wide. So, it, if I, if anything, actually, it's the players in the attacking end who need to, you know, who need to improve their not be so cheap lose the ball so cheaply so that the, and so that we're not turnovered you know so the turnover isn't so devastating to us and also the being able to deal with almost like the counter press where we if we lose the ball and it goes back do you remember do you remember where I made a big thing about professional fouling uh last year do you remember do you remember that where I was talking about against Wrexham where we lost the ball against Wrexham and they just were just running straight through us I kind of feel like we've lost, we we started getting better at that, and I feel like we're, we were a bit too honest yesterday. I wanted to see more players take players out and, and nip, the, nip the problem, you know, uh, stop the problem at source rather than allowing Chesterfield to get so far up the pitch from a turnover that was done on the left wing or a turnover that was done, in, you know, from Chesterfield half. There was a lot of way to go, and I felt that the, actually it wasn't defence, it was the people, the midfielder and the forwards not doing not not keeping the ball well and then not stopping the turnover you know not the pressing well enough.
0: Yeah, I I think I kind of agree with a bit of that. I think I, I it's a slight variation on a theme there. So I think one of the things that's interesting and, and this kind of links into another question we have got about signings and squad depth. I think like we all know there are areas of the squad we'd love to strengthen, right? So we you know we talked about striker, we talked about often talk about the wide players and the fact that in a 3-5-2 the wide players are really important and I think we we're, we're doing a really good job at the moment of managing it but you know Ravan I think did a really good job Idris is a really good player but we obviously we love a bit more quality perhaps in those zones I think for me it's more about the profile of player and I think one of the things you need to be able to do when you're under pressure is to have an out ball that that is uncontested and and what I mean by that is you can basically turn a team around by playing over the top when they squeeze up and I think it's kind of linked because the reality is, with Idris is probably the the one player that breaks in behind. Obviously, Nicky can do it as well. He can run the channels, but Dean's been very clear about him staying in the box and, and getting those goals. And he scores a lot of his goals between the you know between the goal, bluntly speaking. I think what we perhaps need, and it's not in, in terms of a profile, is that if we have got Idris as a wing back and he's starting deeper, and we need him to start a little bit deeper because we're we're struggling in you know, his double marks, etc. We didn't have that option in behind, which put, you know Hooper can't really offer. Nicky, you know, can't really offer. And so the reality was if you look at that Aluo ball, sure, Zach Brunt could have got there a bit faster. But actually, in reality, if we're having to play 25, 30, 30 yard balls, that, that is going to be a very difficult ball to control, right? Well, you know, no matter what. And even if he busts a gut, he can still lose that 50-50 and it's a reasonable 50-50 to lose. It's not as though you know, it's a it's a must-win thing. I think what we struggled with perhaps was the lack of the opportunity to turn a team around. And I think what we would have really needed perhaps if you, even if you look at like the likes of Stead or Carnu or Brunt they all love playing between the lines and getting in those little pockets and you know you saw it with Callum Stead yesterday a fantastic really raw player but just taking a few too many touches I think what we really need perhaps is a bit more of a direct option in behind and that kind of yeah first of all your thoughts on that and then second so I think just going back to the original point about whether it's you know I don't think it's necessarily about blaming players or saying the front players need to do more obviously the way we play expansive football we're going to give the ball away front players are going to give the ball away and if they don't always give it away, it's sometimes because they're not taking enough risks, which we need in our attacking play. But if we think back to the 14, 15 season or previous seasons, think about how many goals we scored when, when Jody Kinde was running through one-on-one and, and and started at home. And don't get me wrong, the conference is a much tougher league now than it was then. You know, you don't get the likes of, you know, Alfritton rocking up with, you know, four farmers and a dog. But the reality is that we do need those options. I think one thing we need is someone who can break the line directly. It's not going to come from, you know, Beard, coca, Ravan necessarily with the quality, you know, as as much as he tries, and so yeah, I, I think for me it's kind of like, well, yeah, we are giving away goals by by playing out sometimes, and the front players could do more, but the reality is that if they are constantly receiving the ball in a very congested and pressured zone as it was in the second half yesterday, it's going to happen, and so yeah, first of all thoughts on that, and then second of all, like, do you think in terms of recruitment, moving on to some of the other questions now, which people have got in here, um, you know, the likes of Aryan. Do we need to look at kind of profiles of player in recruitment that perhaps can do something different and give us that plan B?
1: No, I totally agree. But I also think some of that you can do with coaching. But it's interesting; it's noticeable for me. And and I'm going to draw in, draw some of my own experience here because um, as a as a player myself, um, I I was I was very much a deep a midfielder that broke from broke from midfield, and I scored a lot of goals throughout the time. I was okay; I wasn't professional, but I played. You know a lot of games, and I played at a reason, an all right level. When I was came to coaching players, I noticed that players, the the kind of the generation, is all about they want the ball to feet, and I just and I and I look at the profile of a lot of players. It, there's not many players out there who like balls in behind, and like to play uh, like to play without the ball. It's it is definitely become a thing where most players now you know, come feet. And so it's going to be a tough one to find that player that, that is a decent player that stretches teams and wants to run in. Stead did actually try and do that in the first half and he did have a bit of joy breaking and playing uh, and being the third man run. But but sadly, Stead doesn't have electric pace. He's not a, he's not a slouch by any stretch of the imagination, but he hasn't got that electric pace to get away. And there was a couple of times we did get on the end of stuff and he just didn't have the legs to get to just get part get get in on goal to go one-v-one with the goalkeeper. And like I agree, I totally agree. And I feel that maybe that Carnu could be that player that would break in. And I'd like to see hopefully if Coca's back that maybe what we do is we have Koke uh, that Carnu can come and play into one of those number 10 positions and be the one that goes in behind. But I think he'll need a bit of coaching because his natural inclination's always to come to the ball. Um but I, I don't see many players like that anymore who do who, who, who look for who, who make runs from deep and look for balls over you know over the top. Yesterday, Chesterfield gambled that we weren't going to do that because they knew what our profile player was, and they pushed up high enough, knowing that we couldn't we weren't going to get in behind them.
0: I think yeah, I, I agree, and it, it comes on to some some interesting points around recruitment then, Mem. So just following up from that, like we talked about this last pod, but do do you feel? that we need a couple of players i mean and i guess linked into that it's probably two questions here the first one is like obviously we're still pushing to get up at the highest level possible john lewis here asked what percentage chance would you now put on barnett Chesterford, someone else winning the title based on that like where should we look to recruit i mean does it make sense to kind of go for breaks get back into this race do we need you know another winger another wide player what, what do you feel that we need to to kind of get back into it and again Perhaps starting, therefore, the analysis based on the answer to John's question, where do you kind of put the percentage chances or is it, is it a bit of a mugs game? I'm trying to work that out at this stage.
1: It's a difficult one. A, it is a difficult one because I look at the team and I think obviously any team at this level can be upgraded. I would say I thought Dominic Revan did well at right, as a right wing back. But I kind of w- would want the right wing back to have a bit more quality in the final third, and I thought R- Ravan did all right, but he's very much a sort of an old school kind of right back. He's very he's a, he's very athletic. Um, I would like to see um, somebody who can play in that ten area, who who will go in beyond, and we, as we discussed, it might be t- quite tough because there's not a huge number of players like that, or another a, a left wing back. Um, who is who's good going forward? Um, to you know, as an alternative to Coker, who I don't think, um, who I don't think is the best going forward, but is solid defensively. Um, I'm not convinced the bid is 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 give, offers us that alternative. So I would want a left a left sided player who could push on and and create and deliver. And to John's, to John's question about the the percentages, what, what are you, what's your sense from that after after yesterday? I'm not sure. I'm sure. I think Dean will have a few players up asleep, but I just I don't see an obvious an obvious area that we are particularly weak in. I just see areas that we could we, that we're good, but we could do maybe do better and be, be be very good in an area. A
0: couple more questions on the squad before we finish off with some broader questions about the league and 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 some stuff off the pitch. Um, first question here is about Brunt, and we talked about him a little bit, and, and we talked about perhaps some of the the issues. I mean, I think first of all, you know, he's obviously a a fantastic player, technically brilliantly gifted. We saw against Woking just how talented he is with the ball. And we've seen it in flashes so far this season. I also think it's very he suffers perhaps a little bit from the the Mason clark and Carnu and that sort of critique, which is that when you have a a really talented attacking player, you tend to do two things. First of all, it's noticeable because they're taking risks on the ball when it doesn't work out. And second of all, there's a kind of reliance on them in the attacking phase that that means that when when it's not quite right, they kind of it stands out more than say you know someone I don't know whatever it is like not picking up a man doesn't quite stand out in the same way because it's it's just obvious when they've got the ball, but yeah I guess like where do you think Zach's at at the moment? Obviously we've seen some great things we saw yesterday perhaps a performance that you know lacked a little bit of experience. Like, What what do you think he's at and what does he need perhaps to move on to the next level and become that consistent player
1: that we know he can be? I actually think, you know you said about how usually players like him take risks. I actually think Zach has been playing far too safe um, and I think I might have commented, I don't know if you were sitting next to me a few games ago where every time Zach got on the ball, he was just laying it off and he had time to turn and time to look up and play a, a, a more incisive pass, and I, and there was times where he was on the edge of the box where I just wanted to get him at his feet and just have a sh- have a shot, and he was playing the ball safe, and I've noticed I've I, I have really noticed it, and it wasn't just yesterday, but it's been a theme in probably the last five or six matches that I've watched Zach play playing, where he's getting the ball, and he's just just passing it off at simple. Passing it off, simple passing it the way he, he, he's facing, and the reason Zach's in the team is he's the guy who can get the ball on the half turn, turn, and and deliver. And he has delivered some great cracking crosses and stuff. But I just not, I don't feel like we're seeing enough of that. I feel that he's he's just being too safe. And is it a confidence thing? I don't know. It's a difficult one because I just I look at it and think you've got so much ability, but. Every time that the ball gets passed into you into that in in that into that half space, you're not you're not hurting teams enough, and you're not trying to hurt the teams enough. And I'd like him to take more risks. There's like people like Bruno Fernandez lose the ball a lot, but Bruno Fernandez will always keep trying to play a defence-splitting pass, or he'll keep trying. He'll have a shot from you know ridiculous angle or something like that. But he's trying to make things happen, and he's trying, and, and he's, and he's, trying to make the most of his possession. I just feel Zach like yesterday. Every time Zach got the ball, every time he got it, he just passed it off two yards. Passed it off two yards yesterday, and he barely got the ball. And I just was hoping that he would go. You know what? This is my hometown. I'm wearing the captain's armband. Try and get the bit between his teeth and just go. You know what? I'm going to make something happen. But yesterday, he was just it, it was almost like he he was so passive. And I don't know what I don't know what it is. Is it a confidence thing? is he is he suffering a crisis of confidence does he need maybe is he is he exhausted does he need to come out and have a little bit of a rest and then just it it, it I, I don't understand without knowing him it's it's so hard to understand what's going on in his head because that guy can do so much and and he's he's not attempting it i think yeah i think he's one of those players that it might be a mixture of all sorts of things confidence pressure
0: adapting to a new role, adapting to a new team. Obviously, he played under Garrard last year, which I think would be fantastic, but like a sort of Simeone, brilliant defensively, perhaps not so good offensively. Um, But we'll have to wait and see. But I do get the sense of Zach that something's going to catch. And I think it might just be a little bit of a break. It might be something that goes his way. And I think we'll just see that confidence come back to him because we do know the the, the huge quality he's got. Um, Couple of kind of final things then before we, we wrap things up. Some really brilliant questions coming through about uh, you know, uh, players, and I, I really hope that we've um, we, we, we've covered them. A couple of fun ones here, looking at players from other National League teams. So a question coming in, which Chesterfield player would you take and put into the side? Um, men, who would you take?
1: So I think everybody's expecting the office, stuff like Dobber and stuff like that. I'm, I'm going to go for a boring one. Um, I thought Mandeville or Horton were exceptional yesterday. Horton's the left back. I thought I think he was involved in one of the goals. He locked down his side and I thought Mandeville locked down his side. I thought I thought Idris did you, know, you know had a couple of times where he beat Mandeville but actually 1v1 going round him Mandeville was fantastic. And for what our side needs at the moment I would say that either of those would have been would be like would make our team better.
0: I, I, think, um, I think I agree with you, but I, I can't turn down Ryan Colclough uh, <laughs> when he's on offer. I mean, Mandeville's a great player. And interestingly enough, he's one of those guys that's kind of converted backwards, a bit like Idris has, into a different position. He used to be a very good attacking player. I would say one caveat with Mandeville, which I think I, I saw very clearly on the screen, was there was a clear foul he made on Idris about 10 minutes into the game. And it, it would have been a stonewall yellow if he got it. And I, I would have been curious oh, yeah, to yeah. see yeah, the change there if that had been given. Um, but the reality is, there are a lot of lot of good players there.
1: But he stood him up, and that's the thing. And I, I, I yeah, I sensed he was a, a converted player because he's wearing seven. Um, but I thought, I thought there, I thought that they nullified us by the fact that those two guys were exceptional. I know what you're saying. I thought um, seventeen is seventeen Dobra, or is that Colclough
0: Yeah, Dobra. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, every time he got the ball, he was like a little whippet I mean, he is class. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I, I could see that they were dangerous and they did and they did really well. But I just thought that it started from the fact that they locked down those wing back areas. Um, yeah. I thought I thought their centre back was I thought their centre back looked ropey as hell, was it Grimes?
0: Yeah. And and you could see actually interesting, Grimes was one in Palmer and I thought they actually played okay yesterday. I think they got did very well to get tight to Kabama, but you you know, they didn't dominate the box. And as I said, I, I think as you know, obviously they come out of the game and they were four up in the ninetieth minute, but I still think they can be got at, um, which gives me some hope for the rest of the season. I think that question that, that question answers the one for Chesterfield and also the one for um, for Michael as well, big fan of the pod, Michael, uh, about the National League player uh, that we would sign as well. A um, couple of final things then. Obviously, just off the pitch, uh, a question about attendances, man. We, we've obviously been to a few games ourselves this season. Me when I'm back in the UK and, and you when you get the time to go as well. Attendances have sort of kind of been... Strong ticking up a little bit here and there, but still not quite catching fire. Um, any, any sort of thoughts on that, or is it kind of more of the same of just you know, kind of chipping
1: away and hoping it gets better over the long to medium term? It's a difficult one because even yesterday at the um, at Chesterfield, a lot of the faces were the same sort of faces I see at the Hive. There wasn't any new, any new faces who like to go to away games and stuff like that, but don't go to the Hive. I don't know to be honest I think a lot could be done by the club and I've made this point before but we don't I don't think we use our database well enough I think we need to we need to really dig into that database um of um of people that have have come to some games and not come to goes uh, other games and see if we can see if we can attract them somehow um but it, it to me looking around it, I mean although to be fair who did we play was it was it Solihull and it was quite, and it was a Tuesday night, and it was, and it, and when you took out the, um, I don't know, I can't remember, I don't have the attendance at hand, but when you took out the, the Solihull didn't bring many, and when you took that out, it was quite a solid, it was quite, it was quite a solid um, number of people for a Tuesday night, which is typically, is usually a bit poorer. So I think there's a, an underlying bit of growth going on, but I don't think, I think you've got to bear in mind, you're not going to suddenly double your crowd overnight, are you? So, I think if you can keep 10%, 10%, 10% add into it, I think over time it will build. But we're, I don't think we're suddenly going to get 500 people extra turning up to a game unless it's a really big one. No, correct.
0: Uh, finally then we've got um uh, we've had a, a tricky run of games uh, obviously in the recent weeks with the likes of Solihull Moors and obviously Chesterfield. We've, we've got a couple more tricky ones coming up. Um we've obviously got Gateshead on Saturday who had a great win um, last time out against Dorking and obviously have caused us real problems in the past. Uh, we've got Oldham at home on the Wednesday, followed by uh, Wildston um, and uh, a big game there on the 25th of November. Looking ahead to the rest of the month, then, um, before we get to that Newport County game on the 2nd, anything that stands out in terms of, you know, what the, the kind of focus should be or is it more of the same? And yeah, I guess what are your hopes for, for the next few games
1: that, that we see um, from, from Dean and the team? It's a tough run of fixtures, isn't it? (laughs) looking ahead. Um, I think Gateshead are flying at the moment and they they seem to be putting teams away. I think I'd be quite I think I'd be quite happy with the point out of that game. Um, Oldham, I think we could win that. Uh, Wildstone, I'd be quite confident winning that game. And obviously Newport County is a winnable game. Um, I think if we can get coming to sort of I think if we can get Maybe two wins and a draw out the next three fixtures. I think we we're all right. I mean we were lucky lucky enough we've got two of them at home, so you know, and I don't think World are the same sort of team as they were last year and the year before. So I, I think I think that you know, I think we should be all right. I think we're all right. It's gonna be difficult though, because Idris is out now, isn't he? So yeah,
0: it's it's gonna be a challenge. But I think one of the things we've learned this season is that that we've risen to the challenge, and as you said, we've we've tended to kind of follow up a disappointing result with some good ones. Um, what what I would say at this stage, though, is is a huge thank you to everyone who sent in some questions, and also just a huge kind of shout out to everyone who made it up to the game yesterday. It's really fantastic to see that that level of following back for the club, and again, it's testament to the work that Dean and Connor and the guys are doing to getting everyone behind the team. Uh, obviously, it's a disappointing result, but we, you know, we, we keep going, and there's a lot of football left to be played, and I'm sure some brilliant. Games and memories coming our way as well, um, Mem. Thank you so much for your time this evening. Um, hopefully, we uh, we managed to cover a bit like a sort of midfield do against, two against uh, you know a, a Barcelona three. We managed to cover the spaces well enough in the absence of Charlie to get out a good show. Um, but a huge thank you to you. We'll get this out to you as soon as possible, and uh, hopefully see you all at a very game. Or sorry, see you all at a game very very soon. Um, but thanks, Mem.
1: Thank you, and I'll see you on. Um, I'll see you later in the week when we go to the football content awards
0: can't wait. Yeah, 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 I'm really excited for that. So, uh we'll keep it our due listeners up, updated uh on whether we manage to whether it'll be a, a, like our previous trips up north to Gateshead and Chesterfield. Uh you know, uh, uh, ending in ending in tears or whether it'll be a a really joyous occasion. But thank you to everyone who supported us so far.
1: Well, we're up against Chesterfield this week again, aren't we? So, because um, Oh gosh, are they in it? They are in it. So, uh I think I think we're uh, let's hope we don't come away from Chesterfield with two two defeats. So um <laughs>
0: Brilliant. Well thanks anyway, ma'am, and uh, yeah, we'll see see you on Thursday and see the rest of you at the hive very, very soon.
1: Thanks guys. Take care. Bye.